for much of my life into my adult years, I just didn't get cauliflower. What do I mean by that? I seriously just didn't understand people's desire to eat weird white broccoli. It's a vegetable pretending to be another vegetable. Well, the first time I remember realizing how good it could be, though, cauliflower is actually pretending to be buffalo wings. Now, I don't know whose idea it was to first take this stuff and fry it crispy, then toss it in sauce like your favorite wings, minus the grease, and plus the ability to eat a giant plateful without feeling so guilty. But if there's a variation of cauliflower on the menu, I am so down to try it. I've been converted. Cauliflower crust pizza, cauliflower rice, cauliflower mashed potatoes. But my first true cauliflower favorite will always be buffalo style. And Lulu's local eatery knew how to do it right. The restaurant on South Grand near Tower Grove knew how to make cauliflower craveable, along with the rest of their vegan, plant-based menu. Even if you're not normally a vegan, plant-based kind of person, you could find something on that menu that would make your stomach grumble. Mushrooms you dip like fries, barbecue sandwiches with pulled jackfruit instead of meat, banh mi tacos. The space was bright and airy, like the house photos you like on Instagram, and you could make yourself at home. The bar area featuring ping pong tables and seats you were invited to claim dibs on for the whole afternoon. It's also been about sustainability, not just in reducing the trash that many kitchens produce so much of or sourcing local ingredients, but also encouraging you to live a more eco-friendly life too. Anyone who biked to the shop got a discount. So when the announcement came on the restaurant's Instagram account that the owners felt it was time to walk away following a COVID-era temporary closure and largely due to personal reasons, according to the post, it hit a lot of people hard. Now, sure, they did say it was for sale. We're hoping that somebody would carry the torch forward. But the way this year is going, it sounded like the end. And just look at the comments on that post. People were really bummed to lose Lulu's. Sorry to see owners Robbie and Lulu signing off. Not just because of good food, but good vibes. When a restaurant whose branding was all about the best in us closes, it just kind of feels personal. Though much more casual than some of the city's more celebrated restaurants, Lulu's has always felt like the type of place we're lucky to have. Well, that's how the new owner feels too. I don't know, I think I just got really lucky with the whole process. Today on Abbey Eats St. Louis, how to buy a restaurant from the woman who just bought Lulu's local eatery. Why she thinks now really is the best time to get into the business, who her biggest critics have been so far, and how she's balancing the old Lulu's with her Lulu's. Like, I can't please everyone. Plus your food news and weekend planner. How important is it to you to stick to the restaurant as it was when you bought it? And how important is it to you to put your own mark on it? Oh, okay, yes. So um, it's important that you maintain the main value and principle. So when I, when I am was the customer, I uh, I can see from the outside and they care about the sustainability, they care about the uh, environment and animals and ethical reasons. And um, that was one of my biggest mot- motivation to um, take wanting wanting to buy Lulu's um, at the first place because I didn't know if anybody else wanted to um, have pursued Lulu's if they were going to keep the things uh, in the same way. 
mm-hmm. um, because I do think those are the core value and which I want to work and maintain the same, um, well, even even develop from you know um, what we have. But um, I do think that it's important to um, also add a little bit of my um, character into the restaurant. I would just like to you know kind of spice things up, but I'm kind of low profile on like. Um, getting my name out there or anything, but just... Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, right. I just want to have people enjoying uh, what I want to offer on the table and uh, sharing a meal. Clearly, I said, because we're calling the new owner of Lulu's C in this interview, short for her real name. She's super private. It actually took a lot of Instagram DMs to make this chat even happen. My first question was, of course, how do you come to buy a restaurant? Turns out, she saw the same Instagram post as the rest of us. I think I was, like, the first person that who reached out. Um, I saw the post, like, it was early early in the morning, and then uh, I called the broker right away because I was interested. I mean, I've been known to peruse real estate listings here and there, too, but seeing a restaurant listing for sale wouldn't exactly have had me calling up my agent. C, though, says she and her brother were already thinking about buying a place to call their own, having grown up in a restaurant family. But the moment she saw the listing intersected with a fork in the road for her and her family business, so to speak, and it made the decision not only timely, but kind of necessary. I mean, I have always been the little helper, you know, in the background. <laughs> and then as I, as I um, get older, kind of slowly t- taking over the role of um, taking care of business and then developing for, you know, future plans and all that stuff. Because our, um, like, parents are getting older and they want to retire. So it's it's part of, like, I we don't know, we weren't sure, like, um, because the business, um, family business, so much more about, like, the the elder generation. Mm. But we weren't sure if we want to continue in the way that they uh, managed or we want to do something else. And then um, I always thought that um, we should do a vegan restaurant, vegan plant-based restaurant, because personally, I think that it's the direction of the future. Yeah. Where people people will um, choose more plant-based, healthier um, alternatives. And as a longtime fan of Lulu's, she'd seen their vegan plant-based restaurant in action. She's confident the model works and she can keep making it work. So, okay, as a homeowner, I've learned firsthand there's a lot to know and really it can be kind of confusing to buy a kitchen, let alone a kitchen that comes with a menu, a staff, branding, you know, a restaurant. So I asked C about this process. It was clear she hadn't actually really thought about it before, at least not putting it into words. To be honest, I don't, I feel like throughout 2020, it's been the dream. Because I, through, uh, through the whole process, I didn't really feel that surreal. Really? So I was just kind of guided by um, a lot of people, like a lot of great people that who helped me throughout, through all this whole process. So, um, 
been it's been surreal, but um, and also in the same time that um, my family we have um, culinary background that we also had in the past that purchased a restaurant from others before. Mm. So I can so I was kind of familiar with the whole process already. But that's right, though, that you do kind of get the rights to all of their menu items and to kind of keep doing what they were already doing, right? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things I already have seen that you're doing your own, trying to put your own spin on it? What are some of the things that you're looking forward to doing in Lulu's 2.0? Um, so a lot of the food, I mean, the the recipe will stay, but it just, I'm taking a small turn on a couple of things. Like, um, I'll, I'll add like a couple of fusion um, dish to the menu because I I am, I'm, I'm a minority, I'm Chinese, so mm-hmm. I wanted to see some, my, some of my character in the menu. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want to you you're kind of going to add some different menu items, um, but I understand you're going to keep some of the favorites. <laughs> yeah, it, it is high demand, so um, I'm keeping a lot of a lot of favorites, but um, also because of the pandemic right now, and it's probably for it's good it's probably a good idea to size down the menu to um, you know just to work with like a smaller um, pers- um, smaller like not menu. as much oh, just not as much stuff yeah, like, yeah. If, if we can what I'm trying to say is like um, if we can size down the menu and work with what we have and we know that it's good and then it'll be so much easier to handle mm-hmm You've mentioned a couple times here, see, that it is during a pandemic. You were planning on opening in September, um, later this month. The pandemic will likely not be over by then. Has anybody said, you are just crazy for buying a restaurant during 2020? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, um, have they so- asked you, have they, have they charged you with that? And what do you say to them when they do? Um, so far, I get a lot of concern from my family whenever I first pursued the idea to them that I was uh, approaching to buy the restaurant. And they, obviously, they were really worried because this is a time, not the right time to to do a major purchase like this. Because everyone want to, you know, save and then uh, hold on to what they have, not throw all it to invest anything that, you know, like buying a restaurant or anything like that. Right. Buy low, sell high. That's the motto associated with billionaire businessman Warren Buffett, a philosophy that feels simultaneously obvious and impossible. Applied here, C is basically saying, why go into the restaurant business when everything is doing well, when everything's priced high and super competitive? No, go into it when things are down. You know, during a pandemic, with mandated operational restrictions and many people avoiding sit-down restaurants still? I guess if it worked for Warren. 
basically that uh, theory. And then I kind of just tell them that I know, like, um, I know I'm ready and I think that this is a good opportunity. And it was more about convincing my family than convincing any, anybody else. But um, also, I didn't really... Um, I didn't really, I didn't really have a doubt that this is a good time to do that because it may already have something that is valuable and then uh, well known. So it, it's a good investment in that value. When you got the keys to the restaurant and for the first time walked into that dining room that had been closed for a little while or has been closed for a little while, you first walk in there. Did you have an oh my gosh, I own this place, what the heck am I going to do next kind of moment? Um, I, <laughs> I, am very, I am a very realistic person. So I walk in and then I look at the place and then I kind of just be like, okay, uh, I need to fix the floor, I need to do this, and then I need to pick up the trash um, at the patio. And then my brother was um, in the back of the restaurant and he was, like, he was, like, yelling. He was, like, you need to come home. We need to go home and eat dinner. Okay. <laughs> that was, like, that was it. It was not, like, oh, my gosh. You never got overwhelmed? Yeah. Not really. I'm, I'm very realistic about certain things. I don't know why. I think, the, I, I think that it's too surreal. How excited are you to get people back in the doors there? Um, the employees. Employees or, and guests. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. So um, when I first reached out to everyone and the former employees and the, who used to work there, and they all seemed very welcoming and understanding and adopting. So I, um, I reached out and talked to them individually, and then I... What well, kind of um, just want to you know introduce myself? So and everyone seems very like sweet and genuine, which um, I am excited to work with. Mm-hmm. And customer, I can't even express my um, gratefulness because they like like um, they been like DM me and leaving me comments and about how um, happy they are that we're continuing the business and how they're excited and then how just how happy they are for me and all this stuff. It's just very overwhelmingly sweet and I am very grateful. I think that it's because it's a good story ending because here in St. Louis, you know, we have so many wonderful restaurants, but even we with our great food scene will see some of our favorite restaurants close and I think that, to be honest with you, there were probably a lot of people who didn't think Lulu's was going to come back. And the fact that it did, it's just a happy ending story for St. Louis in a year when we could really use more happy ending stories. Yeah, I hope so. I, I'm glad that um, most people see it this way. <laughs> <laughs> do you see it that way? I I do. I just think that... Um, like I said, I do have, feel a little pressure. Like, I feel like I do need to keep up with the good work, and that is on the back of my head. And um, also, I do feel responsibility to do well, to um, have everybody on board, to keep everybody's job. <laughs> yeah.
so of course, one of the things that I had to ask C about was big changes that might be happening with the layout of the place and ping pong lovers, I hate to break it to you, but she's thinking about taking those tables out of the ping pong room, uh, the, the ping pong bar there just to accommodate more seating. And also it's a little more realistic to be able to space people out. So that's something that she's thinking about changing when things do reopen, which could be any day now. We will work to get you that reopening date ASAP, but uh, she wasn't committing to anything. I couldn't break any news on the podcast there, at least not in that in that way. But speaking of news, Dory Olmos, my producer, is with me once again here to talk about news. Hello news that is happening in the food world and because you're you're pretty good at collecting this kind of stuff and we've got some interesting news uh this week and i like again talking not just about places closing but it, we don't have any permanent closures on our food news rundown this week yeah actually we've got some expansions and some additions to the area which is awesome Woohoo! Woo! all right but how about we start with Something to add to your social calendar. So Q in the Lou hasn't been fully canceled after all. We kind of told you about this, I think, last week or two weeks mm -hmm. ago, that they were canceling the big barbecue event downtown. It was supposed to be last weekend. Well, now they're saying they're going to do a virtual festival. It's set for Saturday, October 3rd. They're going to have live barbecue demos, cocktail demos, Fireside chats with some of the pitmasters, music contests, and trivia. So Q in the Lou is back on in a socially distant, safe, virtual way. I love the idea of a fireside chat with the pitmaster. Barbecue people are so fun to talk to. I mean, food people are fun to talk to, obviously. The the fireside chat that could be pretty fun. I'd love to hear from them, and I I think the cocktail demos sounds really fun too. Yeah, I think what they're doing in this virtual way, it does sound like it'll be a good time to kind of tune in. They're going to be um, live streaming these things on their Facebook and website. So it sounds like it could be kind of an all-day thing. You could kind of tune in and out and check out what's going on. I'm craving barbecue just thinking um, about it. <laughs> I know. I know, right. Well, how about we think a little bit more fall for now? We've got another Oktoberfest that actually is going to happen this year. The one in Herman is on. This is also one of the bigger Oktoberfest events that's happening, that happens in our area. It's going to be different from previous years because of coronavirus. They're going to require masks. Social distancing guidelines are going to be in place. And also each individual business will probably have their own policy. Mm -hmm. But organizers said that this event is, because it's spread out throughout the city, that'll help with crowds. It's not like there's just one gathering tent where everybody's going to be right uh, and this is set to take place every weekend in october so a little bit more of a spaced out event yeah and that should also help with you know the crowds because not everybody's sitting there saying i have to make it that first weekend in october you have a couple of different options there so hopefully that's a successful safe event as well yes and Kind of going back to what we were saying earlier with some new additions to the St. Louis area, we've got Olive and Oak teasing what they're doing next. Um, so earlier this summer, the Webster Grove spot moved to a bigger location down the street. Well, now they're saying what they're doing with that original spot. They're going to call it O and O Pizza. Um, they said that their end goal is to create a pie that blends two of their personal favorite styles 
New Haven, Connecticut meets Roman thin crust. And I am so intrigued by this. I love how many different types of pizzas there are in the world. You can eat pizza seven days a week and eat seven totally different types of foods. And I'm really excited to see what that is. And with olive and oak, I mean, you know, it's going to be high quality no matter what. So that's, that's awesome. Good for them making some expansions, because I know they were one of the first restaurants to kind of say we need to close for a while at the very beginning of pandemic times. And, um, you know, to be able to see them forging ahead, you know, that they've put a lot of thought and love into this. So congrats on that space. Yeah, and another expansion going on, Bailey's Restaurant. Their restaurant empire is expanding again, this time into the wing business. They are <laughs> opening. It's called Wing Ding Dong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the name. It um, reminds me of like a font, like web dings, wing dings. <laughs> like. Wing ding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're going to be serving up fried chicken, um, smoked wings, sandwiches, chicken fingers, sides, and boozy drinks. Now, it's not necessarily a whole separate space. They're opening this as a ghost kitchen mm-hmm. inside Bailey's Range downtown. So basically that means it's takeout and delivery. There's not a, a traditional seating area for this specific restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's an interesting concept that um, several places have kind of adopted. And Bailey's, you know that that food group is like, all right, well, it's been five minutes and we haven't come up with a new type of restaurant yet. So come on, we got to get to it. And so I'm not surprised that it's Ghost Kitchen like this. I, I will be very interested. Wing Ding Dong. All right. But I like it. it uh, yeah, it's. I won't forget it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, how about another thing that you're probably not going to forget? An unforgettable person, at least, right? Oh, um, yeah. There is an ultimate dining and drinking spot coming to St. Charles County called Brett Hall's Junction House. Of course, it's going to be opening with the flair of the blues legend behind it. He's part of wow. the ownership team. This is going to be in Wentzville. Opening sometime this fall. They don't have an exact date yet. Um, it'll have multiple levels with a rooftop patio and balcony. They said that the idea is to redefine what they're calling the meeting of casual sports dining through handcrafted food and signature mixed drinks. And I can imagine we're going to see Brett Hall's face all over that place. <laughs> At least I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, he that guy's a legend around St. Louis and he's lovable and he's a party and he's rowdy and larger than life in so many ways. And I actually got a chance to see the Junction House um, this weekend driving past it. I was driving through Wentzville and it's right next to the Sugar Fire, which that Sugar Fire, by the way, is the one with the volleyball sand volleyball courts. Mm. Kind of reminds me of like a top golf without the golf part of it. Mm, it's really interesting. So hopefully the food's good. Yeah. Looking forward to that whenever that opens. And it sounds like it'd be a cool place to watch a game too. Oh, totally. Dory, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? Oh, I had a few different things that were kind of coming to mind. Um, That's a good problem to have. (laughs) It is a good problem. I I was trying to, I was mulling it over with my husband the other day, but I think I landed on a new place that we tried and we haven't, we've been kind of hesitant in trying new restaurants during the pandemic, not because we're like afraid to try them, just because I want to experience them like 
in their element in the restaurant, you know, and just yeah. getting to know isn't quite the same. Well, we went out of our comfort zone this week and tried Fountain on Locust. I think <gasps> that's in Midtown. Yeah. I've, I've never been. And we just ran there real quick late one night. He grabbed, my husband grabbed a sandwich and, oh, he got the, uh, I just remember this. He got their dill pickle soup, which was really good. Yes. I love pickles. And it sounds kind of weird, but it was very good and not too like overly pickle tasting. It was like a really nice pickle soup. Um, but what I got was ice cream. An ice cream martini? The- not a martini, just a straight up ice cream. I think uh-huh. it was like a late Sunday night. I'm like, I just want some ice cream. Yeah, fair. Um, it was, it's called the, I'm pulling it up here, the three coins in the fountain. So it's kind of like a Neapolitan ice cream, had um, chocolate, vanilla, and an after dinner mint, which was just so cool and refreshing to mm. the chocolate because the chocolate was like a really deep, dark chocolate. Um, and then on top there was hot fudge and whipped cream and it was so decadent, but it came in like a little pint sized container. And I just like, I'm trying to envision how they would have served it up in the restaurant. And I'm sure it would have been beautiful and just so good. It was good at home on my couch, but <laughs> I look forward to the day where I can try that in the restaurant. Fun fact, when you go to the fountain on Locust, you have to check out the bathrooms. Apparently the bathrooms there oh. have won awards. Really? Yes, like for being cool Art Deco style bathrooms. It's like black fixtures everywhere. To me, it's a bathroom. I mean, it's not my favorite part of a restaurant ever, but it's uh, you. You just have to check it out. It's on the. uh, It's on Locust, obviously, where that auto row. So all those restaurants and buildings and businesses there. A lot of them used to be car dealerships, and so they kept up with that art deco theme which is pretty cute on the inside and you've got to get alcohol in your ice cream next time dory what have i taught you <laughs> okay well you've convinced me i'll do it <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> so mine was actually kind of just like a fast casual type of thing where i had a camping trip this weekend and because that's the thing I do again in 2020, I guess. And I had a lot of just you know campfire food, chili, hot dogs, that kind of stuff, which is good. But then you just want nothing like that when you get home um, for a few days. So I got lunch on Monday from Crushed Red. And speaking of food that does carry well crushed red knows how to do to go food pretty well and i got the this pear is on fire salad which is my all-time favorite there and because it's 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 sweet it's a little spicy and it's really hearty for being a salad and it's just the right size and it was absolutely what i needed to kind of transition out of campfire food because it still has like bacon in it so (laughs) it's it's not completely (laughs) lean but it was pretty pretty tasty That sounds good. It was. So we are talking about some events for this upcoming weekend, but then also beyond that. So we're heading into the weekend of September 18th through 20th. Um, But first, let's talk about some stuff that's going on this weekend. And then we can transition into some things that are kind of getting started for the fall. Yeah, so a few ongoing things to remind everybody about. Nine Mile Garden is having their outdoor movie screenings on the big screen This week, it's Gremlins at 7 p.m. on Saturday, and they're also going to be showing a couple cards games this weekend. They're going to be doing it Friday afternoon and Friday night because there's a doubleheader, 
And then also Sunday afternoon, um, down in the Central West End, the streeteries are continuing. And then on Saturday, the Masks and Music on Main Street in St. Charles is having their last uh, live music event this Saturday. Also on Saturday, Pyromania, because... What else do why we? Not? Yeah, why not? Exactly, because what? Why not have fireworks in September? Um, so from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at Cedar Lake Cellars in Wright City, which I know is you know a big thing for people heading to wineries during these social distance times. Um, live music. They'll have family events, games. Clydesdales will making an appearance, and of course fireworks. They're calling it the largest fireworks show in the region because. This isn't just like, you know, fireworks for a few minutes and then everything is done. No, this is a two-hour-long fireworks show. They're calling it a concert in the sky, which is pretty intense. Um, Tickets are required for this, but there should be plenty for you to snag up with 400 acres of that property, which is also on a lake. Just make sure you bring your own blankets and chairs. Yeah, I had to double-check this one to make sure... They're legitimately doing a two-hour-long fireworks display, and it sounds like they pretty much are, so that's kind of cool. That's longer than most movies I can sit through. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you could, like, take a nap and then wake up to fireworks. Oh, that would be cool, waking up to fireworks. I know. Okay, so we're talking also, I mean, it's officially the fall. When I say blankets, you need to bring a blanket outside. You need to bring a blanket outside. Even this morning, I went outside and had a little throw on my uh, patio seating because it was... It was a little chilly and brisk this morning, so but that that's good news for a lot of people because that means some of these fall and Halloween events are getting started. Um, so we've got some fun ones to tell you about. Yeah, so starting with the St. Louis Zoo, they're going to hold the Autumn with the Animals event. This is the first weekend and second weekend in October, October 3rd through 4th and 10th through 11th. They're going to have fall-themed apple-spiced food and drinks, including some beers, Oktoberfest beers, plus caramel apple funnel cakes. And let me tell you, when I saw a picture of that, it looked as good as it sounds. Wow. Um, And they're also going to have other food, chicken apple brats, and a bunch of other sort of Oktoberfest types of foods. Um, But it's not just the humans getting the treats. The animals will, too. They're going to get some enrichment items that you can watch them enjoy. This is all free. It's just like an extra little event they're doing at the zoo, but the zoo is still requiring timed reservations, so you'll have to get those tickets online. I want to go to this. This sounds so fun. It sounds cute, yeah. I love that. That's cool. Okay, so also speaking of the animals, and this is a reo- another reopening. We're just bringing you all the good news on this podcast episode. Yeah. Great work, Dory. Grant's Farm is reopening but reformatting like everybody else with their Halloween drive through So for the first time ever, you actually can drive your own car through Grant's Farm. Obviously, normally you walk around there. This time you can actually drive uh, or you walk around or you get somebody else, you, you get one of those car tours with them. Now you can drive through the Tear Garden and the Deer Park. Again, this is something they've never even offered before. It's going to be Thursdays through Saturdays in the evening for the entire month of October. You will have to buy tickets for this for a vehicle, um, you know, you pay per car. Kids will get a bag of candy and families can also upgrade the experience to include food, drinks and other festive goodies. And it's all, again, done from the safety of your car. 
but it's only so safe because we're talking Halloween here. So guests will encounter spiders, witches, and bats, but also some cute Grant's Farm animals like goats and llamas. I love the goats there. They're always so cute. And you'll go through eight haunted themes throughout the park. I love this. This sounds like a really fun way that they can be reopening also. And um, you can make sure that you get your Grant's Farm in because it's been closed throughout the duration of this COVID time. Yeah, I love how they're sort of reinventing this experience and letting people come through. I think it sounds really cool. It sounds really like they're diving into the Halloween theme at Grant's Farm. So that would be fun. It'll be interesting to see how people get creative with this Halloween more so than usual. I saw somebody post on Facebook that they are putting like a candy shoot out from their front door so that they can social distance give kids candy. So it'll be interesting to see what people come up with. Yeah. So one thing we wanted to make sure you guys know about, though, is we are going to be taking a quick break for the next two weeks from new episodes uh, to be working on a few things, other projects we've got, some PTO we've got to burn. And so we're going to be, you know, still working on the podcast, but we're going to be dropping other episodes in your feed for the next two weeks to kind of fill that Abbey Eats St. Louis shaped hole in your soul that we don't want to flourish while we're gone so we'll have a couple of those episodes but when we come back uh we are really hope in october we are really excited to be working on some stories that continue to highlight the resilience of the st louis food scene and all of its players to highlight some of the stories that you know aren't covid related frankly um but of course also to continue telling the news and sharing the stories of this moment we're experiencing so we've got some fun ideas in the works and we're excited for that but um for the next couple of weeks enjoy some of our favorite throwback episodes i guess we can call them yeah we don't want to leave you guys hanging we'll be we'll be in your feed every week <laughs> Ooh la la. Ooh la la. St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I am Abby Larico. And I am Dory Olmos. And that chewing sound you might have been hearing throughout the duration of this in the background is Ronnie, the puppy, who's just chewing along on her bone and will not leave me alone. <laughs> but otherwise, our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, especially if you want to make sure you're receiving our new episodes once they start coming out in a couple of weeks here. Leave us a rating and a review as well. And please make sure you let us know what you think on our Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. Have a great, great fall weekend and seize the plate. <laughs>